there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, a horror anthology podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that's always munching on rice cakes. It's Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, Cortland. More mouth sounds to start the podcast. Dude, have you ever had a rice cake? Yeah, not a fan. No, nah, they're gross. Man, I feel bad that she even had to eat one for the show. <laughs> she had to put it in her mouth and everything. Gross. I'm Fucking sure she got cakes. hazard pay. If I were starving, and the only thing in my house to eat was a rice cake, I'd starve. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a lot of bland things mm-hmm. are okay if you like their their delivery systems for cheese or sauces, right? Or whatever. But it doesn't matter what you put on a rice cake. No, it's still gonna be fucking gross. Yeah, it's like a flavor black hole that it'll like take down the cheese or the pepperoni or whatever you put on it. That reminds me. You remember when your mom used to buy like the fizzy water? Yes, man. It I never fails me. So. Yeah, your mom used to buy the fizzy water. She would buy the off-brand fizzy water. And I remember you describing it as drinking the static channel on television. And I use that anytime I see fizzy water, I'm like, don't drink that. People do it anyway. And I don't I don't understand. Oh, those fools. Fizzy water is the worst. It's almost as bad as rice cakes. Oh god, imagine them together. Like imagine you no. sitting down and that's your meal. <laughs> Like, that is actually just one of the the cores of hell, I believe, is you're in a room and all you have is fizzy water and rice cakes. That's scarier <laughs> than any episode of Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> I know, right? I gotta I gotta wipe that away from my mind here. I'm gonna sit there and get anxiety over it. <laughs> so, Brandon, oh my god, how have you been doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Doing just okay, fine. I need to... I need to know, Brandon. You know, this episode, it's got some cooking involved in it. Did you end up making meatloaf? I know we talked about meatloaf last week. No, I didn't. Oh, are you going to divulge your secret meatloaf recipe at least? Hell no. Oh, you bitch. (laughs) I'm taking that meatloaf to the grave. That's fair. I mean, I don't want to make your meatloaf anyway. You never even gave me... The your grandma's secret recipe for queso. So, Ooh. what are you even? You're not even good to me anymore, Brandon. What has right. happened All here? Right, Where's our friendship going? Here's my meatloaf recipe. Here's what you need. Okay, tell so me you, everything. You I got start my pen off and paper. Two pounds of kangaroo mm-hmm. mints. All right, all right. That's enough for you. <laughs> you mix in some rice cakes. <laughs> Add some fizzy water. <laughs> Just a drop of the fizzy water. The finest quail egg. Yes, I get it, Brandon. You're you're a gourmet. <laughs> so what'd you have for dinner, actually? Now that we're talking about food, I'm kind of hungry. Oh, a nice chicken schnitzel. A chicken schnitzel, Brandon. You eat the weirdest shit. I love it. <laughs> it was delicious. Did you pound it out and fry it nice and thin and everything? Yeah. Gosh, you're such a chef. How fitting. All right, Brandon. Real question here. It's your last meal. What are you going to eat? Uh, Beef stroganoff. Beef stroganoff. Homemade or hamburger helper? <laughs> you know what? It's my last meal. I'm going to go out fancy. I'm going to get the helper. <laughs> get that white glove. They probably don't even have hamburger helper over in Australia, do they? No, they certainly do not. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'll ship you a box, buddy. There you go. <laughs> oh, it is almost Christmas. Brandon, are you ready? Are you ready for that? No. Neither am I. Although my <laughs> shopping is done, but like, you know, it's still like the whole like You're so all the hub. Uh, I know. That's what happens when you're almost 35 years old. Yeah, I'll old I'll man. still be finishing things up on Christmas morning. You're It'll be 4 a.m. and I'll be like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be sitting there wrapping yeah, your presents. I didn't get anything. Getting your paper cuts. I'll be at 7-Eleven like, what do you got here? What do they have at 7-Eleven? Sausage sticks? 
yeah, you can get a sausage roll here. I assume they sell those everywhere. <laughs> Pretty much. That's awesome. Brandon, you know what? We got a whole, whole episode of Tales from the Crypt to cover. You want to start talking about it? Yeah, what is this one? Well, we just got done watching Tales from the Crypt Season 4, Episode 6. It's called What's Cooking, Brandon? What was cooking in your brain when you watched What's Cooking? I was thinking, man, this episode is cooking. <laughs> it's cooking, Brandon. <laughs> uh, I love Home Alone 2. <laughs> I I just finished watching Home Alone 1 not two hours ago. Yeah, my thing, my thing about Home Alone 1, I can't watch it without thinking about how you only watched Home Alone 2 growing up. And Home Alone 1 was like, a you know, the sequel-ish to you. <laughs> yeah, while I was watching Home Alone 1, I was thinking like... All right, can we just watch Home Alone 2 now? Can we get to the electricity part? Yeah. Part where Mars. Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, okay, like, this is okay, but I want to see Marv get hit in the face with bricks, and I want to see him turn into a skeleton. Right. Those are what you watch. I remember being a kid. I'm pretty sure I've said this before, but I just rewound the part where Marv screams and gets turned into a skeleton over and over again because I thought it was the most funny shit ever. It's because it is. This was ridiculous. Why did they choose to do that? I wonder. I don't know. I don't know, but it was the right choice. So what did you, I'm sorry. What did you think about Hope? what's cooking? Did you enjoy yourself when you were watching this? Yes. What's cooking was a good episode of Tales from the Crypt. I concur, Brandon. Now, I looked it up on the mm-hmm. Internet Movie Database. And ah, yes, this is it's got a, a good rating. It's at an 8.3. I feel like you're going to say a but. So continue. And that's. Okay. The highest rated episode of this series on IMDb. Interesting. Now, I liked this episode, but... There's your butt. Okay, there we go. Uh, I'm surprised to hear that. Surprised to hear that there's nothing better than this. Well, you know, Brandon, IMDb is subjective. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, this changes everything. Um, I, yeah, I agree. It was a really good episode. It's very fun to watch. And it's got a good cast, too. Yeah, it really does. It took me a very long time. So we have Judd Nelson in this episode, you know, and he does not have like a mullet. So I didn't recognize him until I looked him up on IMDb and I was like, oh, it's that guy. Ah, yes. Where's your mullet, bro? Yeah. Your signature mullet. Once you cut your mullet off, who even are you anymore? I don't know. Once you go mullet, you don't go. You can't go back from it because then nobody will recognize you. Yeah. Brandon, you want to just talk about this episode? Get into it. All the fine details and such. Yeah, what happens here? I'll tell you all about what happened. So our episode opens up to show us the Crypt Keeper twisting a wine opener this time. Except with every twist, somebody screams. Hmm. wonder what's going on. Crypty says, next time I book a table at 8 o'clock, Wolfgang, I expect to be seated at 8 o'clock. And he pulls out that wine opener with a cartoonish pop, and we see an eyeballs on the other end of it. And Wolfgang, who, oh, who is the guy, I guess... He groans and complains because he he doesn't have two eyes anymore. <laughs> yeah, whoops. I mean, I guess I would too. Yeah. I gotta say, this is a shocking display of violence from the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, right away too. Yeah, like he, he he's a man who likes his, uh, his dark humor and his, uh, let's say, Adam's family-ish <laughs> charms. But uh, yeah. it is kind of weird to see him just like pull a man's eye out a bit but that's what happens it was it's his table wasn't ready eight o'clock brandon i mean give the man a break like is he going out to restaurants it seems like he just chills in his castle in his crypt all day yeah he's kind of lives in my i'd be very surprised to see him 
like get in the car and drive to a restaurant and be like, waiter. But I guess he does. And then he takes the chefs back to his crypt. I think it's funny when he brings people back to the crypt. I think it's great. The crypt keeper looks at that eyeball and ooze over it saying a good wine. You know, because he's whining while he's getting his eye popped out. Not a great wine, but locally grown, that's for sure. He puts that eyeball into a wine glass, and the camera pans us back to see a man in a chef's coat and hat is chained up in front of him with blood all over his face. Except you can't see one of his eyes because he's, like, not at the right angle for it, but Mm -hmm. we just assume he's only got one. Crypt Keeper sniffs that eye, saying, a pleasant enough bouquet almost reminds me of a good scream sherry. I don't know if he means cream sherry. Then he giggles and asks if we've brought our appetites because tonight's tasteless tidbit is something he's sure that we'll savor. It's a real epigorean delight about a nice young couple that finds the restaurant business a little hard to swallow. He calls this adventure in fine dying what's cooking. We get to see the picture for this one and it's kind of interesting. In the foreground is a guy who's looking scared as hell. And looking behind him at a man in a chef's coat that's got a cleaver raised over his head. Behind them is a woman who is smiling. The Wolfgang dude, by the way, he is groaning the whole time as we zoom into this picture and into the episode. Yeah, as you would. Look, I wouldn't want my eyeball popped out, okay? I have like a list of nightmare and fears and stuff. Eyeball horror is pretty high up there. Yeah, it's right under eating rice cakes. Oh my god, right? Oh. The first thing we see here in this episode is fire lighting up a burner as some upbeat drum snares and jazzy New Orleans music starts playing. The camera pans us up to see a bowl with a bunch of squid tentacles or something inside. A guy grabs it and then we cut over to a book titled Squid, Squid and More Squid. As the dude says, hmm, maybe we should expand our menu. He opens that book up and fingers through the recipes asking, oh, what about squid kebabs? Then we cut over to someone haphazardly cutting that squid into little bits and pieces. Yeah, that's gross. It's disgusting. She just takes that squid and she minces it into soup. The guy's all like, nah, what about squid on a stick? Yeah, it's a great one. It's a finger and takeaway food all in one. We look over at the woman. Her name is Irma, who's the one that's cutting up the squid. And she's just kind of shaking her head. She goes over to the man, whose name is Fred, and lifts a cleaver up over his head like she's going to attack him. Hmm. But she stops, and Fred's all, honey. If you bury that thing in the back of my neck, you're just going to wreck the blade. It's a real expensive cleaver. They don't make them anymore. I like how casual he is about it. Like, she must have tried to murder him so many times. (laughs) I like it, too. It kind of just, like, shows their relationship. It's pretty good. Yeah. Irma sighs, and she chops that blade down on a cutting board and says, Man, squid on a stick? That's an even stupider idea than owning a restaurant that only serves squid. Like, this episode's silly, of course. But, yeah, man, you have to suspend your disbelief a lot <laughs> to even believe this concept that this guy's just like, I'm gonna open up a squid restaurant, and then... Like, it's going to fail, and I'm going to be like, man, what do I do to make this Squid West restaurant work? I don't know why you would ever think to open up a Squid restaurant, but I don't have any butts, actually. It was a really stupid idea. Yeah. Especially in 1992 or wherever we're at right now. Like, nobody wants that. Fred looks her way, saying, girl, you got to remember what they said to Colonel Sanders back in 1956. A chicken restaurant, Colonel Sanders? You must be mad. Well, shoot, if that's madness, you can count me in. No one ever thought that. (laughs) Well, according to Fred, 
Okay, they did. Colonel Sanders was an idiot making a chicken <laughs> restaurant. Can you imagine? Colonel Sanders was a goddamn fool. Chicken to eat? <laughs> you want to know something, Brandon? Okay, when I was little and we would drive by Kentucky Fried Chicken, which is what they're referencing here, the logo for it is a big face of Colonel Sanders with his bow tie, right? Sure. I always thought that that bow tie were tiny little arms and legs. So it was just a man with a, a gigantic head and tiny little arms and legs. And it was amazing. I wish everybody would have thought of it that way. <laughs> it's not too late. They can bring that back. They can. It's it's not hard. Just got to look at it like he is a little tiny stick figure with a huge head. It's great. Honey, we're okay. He says, honey, we're going to be Baskin Robbins of seafood. And I found that funny because we don't have any Baskin Robbins anymore near me. No, why would you? Because it's ice cream, dude. We look over at another person in the room. His name is his name is Gaston, but I I can't say that. Like, yeah. it's Gaston, right? It's Gaston. Yeah. Well, they say Gaston. Gaston. <laughs> I can't help but think of Beauty and the Beast. But he's in the corner and he's sweeping. He says, you know, I think Irma's on to something, Fred. Squid's nice and all, but maybe a little diversification would be good. Fred tells Gaston to shut it, and no one asked him about anything because he's just a stupid drifter, for goodness sake. Gaston tells him, yeah, well, I know that anyone can become a drifter if they find themselves selling shit that nobody wants, like this restaurant. Now, I've got this recipe for barbecue. Fred hates that idea, saying, <laughs> anybody can do barbecue. Gaston assures Fred that his BBQ barbecue? is special. That's an even more ridiculous idea than eating chicken. It really is. Who does that shit? Fred sarcastically thanks him for his help, but Gaston needs to keep cleaning. I mean, if he's got time to lean, he's got time to clean. Am I right, Brandon? Oh, I know. I know all <laughs> about that. The door dings open and in walks Phil, the local policeman and regular to the squid restaurant, I guess. Phil complains about his night and Fred tells him not to worry that his squid sandwich is coming right up. Phil tells him, yeah, I don't really want that shitty squid McMuffin today. And then he leaves. So this this uh, this Phil guy. Yes. He shows up here all the time. He's a regular. He's the only regular. He's yeah. a reg he's their only regular, but he also hates it. So he why does, does he keep coming yeah. here? I think he just likes Fred and Irma. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why you would. <laughs> I like Fred and Irma, Brandon. Oh my god. We circle fade to later where Irma hands Gaston a plate of squid. Except we're outside, okay? And Gaston is just hanging out with homeless people. He's a drifter. Irma apologizes for what Fred said before. Gaston understands that Fred is a visionary, but he can't understand why a classy lady like Irma is with him. Irma tells him, well, he's got this vision, you know? <laughs> and that's that. Gaston gets right to the point, suggesting that Irma leaves Fred and lives with Gaston because he's got a vision too. Irma laughs at that a little because Gaston doesn't have a house and then goes to leave. <laughs> but Gaston gets in front of her asking if he can walk her home. I mean, what, what kind of, she's like, hey, how about you ditch that zero and get a zero? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, nah. Irma tells him, um, nah, I don't need you to walk me home. I got this. And she pulls out a gun to show it off. She adds in that Fred will be home soon anyway. So, see ya. And she leaves as Gaston hands his plate of squid to some other homeless dude. So, what have we learned so far, Brandon? We got characters, we got a gun, we got squid. Yeah. Will I'm things sure change? That, I'm sure that gun won't come up again. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, it was just so quick at the very beginning of the if episode. If you introduce a gun in Act 1, then forget about it. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. 
We cut over to the restaurant and we see the lights are on and their sign is fucked up and it says enemas, but I don't know what it could say besides that. <laughs> it's meant to say uh, Fred and Irma's squid house or something. Is that, I don't know. I know I could see Irma's, which helps it, you know, light up to enemas, but I, I don't know. I don't really know what it's supposed to be called. I mean, I guess that makes sense. The sign is broken. So if you're driving past and you can't see the name of the restaurant, you might go in and, like, try it out. But if the sign was working and it was like, hey, this is a squid restaurant, you'd be like, put the pedal to the metal. Keep going. Yeah, you wouldn't want to eat there. You'd rather have a rice cake. Ugh. 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 (laughs) Man, big rice cake is going to, like, come after us for this episode. Anyway, we hear some meticulous cutting on a cutting board, and we zoom in to see Fred is cutting up some squid or something for some reason. He's interrupted by a man walking inside. And it's Meatloaf, Brandon. Oh, shit. Now, his name in this episode is Chumley, but I have him as Meatloaf in my notes, so he is just Meatloaf, okay? He's Meatloaf. He's Meatloaf. You can't be like, oh, that's not Meatloaf. Yeah, I'm not going to be like, and then Chumley walks in. Like, you guys are going to be like, what the hell is this? Is that the Meatloaf? Hell? That's and I'm fucking like, Meatloaf. Are you blind? <laughs> it's the legendary Meatloaf. He takes off his hat, and he starts talking, and he sounds kind of annoyed, right? He's saying... Feel free to remind me if I'm wrong, but last week, did we or did we not have a conversation in which you agreed you would deliver to me the three months back rent that you owe me? Fred says, yeah, I did say that. Meatloaf asks, what day is it today? Is it yesterday? No, today is today. He pats his sweaty head with like a little neckerchief thing, asking, do you know how I know today is today? Because if today were yesterday, I'd have a check in my hands. Fred shakes his head saying, Meatloaf. Business is picking up. That's not how time if you could, works. If you could just find it in your heart to give me a little more time. Uh, can I get you something to eat? <laughs> Meatloaf yells no, because Meatloaf isn't hungry. The only <laughs> thing he wants from Fred is his money. Fred stumbles out that he could write a check, but Meatloaf screams no. You ain't got it, do yous? Fred tells him no. So Meatloaf says that he's going to be back tomorrow with an eviction notice and a new set of locks. We see Meatloaf stuff that damp sweat rag into his pocket as he says, One other tiny little thing. You're one lousy cook. And then he laughs a little. Can you imagine, like, getting roasted by Meatloaf real quick? <laughs> I mean, that would be like, whoa, that was incredible. Meatloaf just shit all over me. But <laughs> it, it would be a very odd scenario. Yeah, I'd be okay with it. I mean, Meatloaf. Rest in peace, Milo, first of all. But, like, yeah. If he came into my room and he started t- telling me I was a horrible <laughs> chef, I'd be like, I work on it, Milo. I'm sorry. <laughs> Milo, please. I'm trying my best. I wonder how many times I'm going to say meatloaf in this episode. <laughs> um, I'm going to guess it's less than I thought it was going to be during this scene <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Meatloaf turns to leave, but Fred gets pissed here. He grips onto his knife and stands up yelling, You fat son of a bitch! Nobody Damn. said that to my Meatloaf. Jeez, yeah. I mean, Meatloaf did cross a line. Like, you threaten to evict a man, that's like whatever. But you insult his squid cooking? Oh, buddy. <laughs> he charges over to Meatloaf, who turns around, and then Fred just kind of accidentally stabs him with the knife in his hand? Yeah, it's very Oops. weird. He runs at him with a knife, so like you're watching it, like oh he's gonna he's gonna go over there and do some business, but he doesn't. 
He, like, accidentally pokes him with it, I guess. And then Fred yeah. immediately apologizes to Meatloaf. Because you can't just stab Meatloaf, okay? But Meatloaf just silently, like, leaves the restaurant. So Fred follows him outside and apologizes some more. And Meatloaf screams that Fred's crazy and he's going to call the cops. We see Gaston across the street is seeing all of this. And he says out loud, oh, how the other half live, to all of his homeless friends, I guess. And they get a good chuckle out of that as Meatloaf runs down the road. Yeah, the other half stabs each other. It's just what happens, man. You get a house and then you start stabbing people. <laughs> step one, get a house. Step two, stab fools. <laughs> Especially Meatloaf. Over with Fred, he opens up the door to his apartment and takes off his hat and coat. He walks over to his bottle of alcohol as Irma walks up and smooches him. Fred comments that she's in a good mood and damn, is that perfume that Fred be smelling? <laughs> Irma goes and sits down saying, well, I was walking home and I felt kind of sexy. So you're home late. What kept you? We hear a police siren off in the distance and Irma asks, what's all the hubba? Fred takes a drink and then sighs saying that meatloaf stopped by when you left. <laughs> oh shit, meatloaf was in our restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> The meatloaf? <laughs> yeah, meatloaf stopped, stopped by and he called me a shitty cook. <laughs> and then he left. Irma sighs saying, oh no, not, not meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> but Fred assures her it's not as bad as she thinks. Now listen to me. You still got a little room on your little credit cards there, right? So we take some of that money and we buy a whole ton of pork. It's the other white meat after all. Irma tells Fred to just shut up. Just shut up, Fred! He should yeah. be thinking about how to keep him off the streets, not how to put him in even deeper in debt. We don't want to be like Gaston. No, who does? Uh-uh. <laughs> Irma here's giving Fred every penny she's got, and they got nothing to show for it. So Fred asks what he's supposed to do, since he doesn't know how to give up. Irma's silent here, so Fred gets up saying, Look, if you told me now that you never wanted to see me again, I'd understand. All I can say is, I'm sorry. Aww. Then he takes another swig of his drink. Irma gets up close to him saying, Fred ain't getting rid of her that easily. She married Fred for richer or poorer. Besides, you owe me a shitload of money. Back at the restaurant, Gaston is setting things up as Irma and Fred walk in. Irma heads over to make some coffee, and Fred tells Gaston that there's no point in setting things up because they're going to be getting evicted today. This place is history. In walks Phil saying, damn, what Why? a night. I'm so hungry, I'll even eat one of those stupid squid sandwiches. Stop coming to this restaurant, bro. He likes Irma and Fred. They're good company. Fred tells him that is just too bad that all they have is coffee today. So Phil turns to Irma asking if they have any like eggs or something to actually eat. Irma opens up the fridge and she sees a whole tray of eggs. Like she, This part's funny because she's like, oh, I don't think we have any eggs. And she opens up that fridge and there is like 18 eggs just chilling in there. There's also some steaks and plastic wrap right on top of those eggs. And she's kind of shocked to see that saying, oh. I guess we got eggs and steak. Phil thinks steak and eggs sounds great. So Fred walks over to take a look, and then Fred and Irma look over at Gaston, who's, who starts, like, explaining that he didn't want to say anything because he was afraid they'd tell him no, but, you know, that barbecue idea he had? He took the initiative and spoke with his supplier that he just happens to know, and he got a really good deal. And he's all like, oh, I hope you're not angry. Phil says, I ain't angry, I'm starved. Come on, let's throw one of those babies on the grill. Gaston gets up and walks over, saying, I hope you'll like it, officer. It's been specially cured, and it's got a secret family recipe. Phil smiles about that, and then we cut over to the griddle, where Irma slaps that steak on it and pours on some eggs. That steak looks gross, Brandon. I'm just going to say it. It's not the worst steak I've ever seen, but it's got to be better than squid. Yeah, maybe. 
<laughs> All right, but it's definitely better than rice cakes. Yeah, it's probably better than rice cakes, I suppose. Phil mentions that it smells so good that even the coffee tastes better. Then he talks to Fred asking, hey, the mega superstar meatloaf is your landlord, right? <laughs> he took a break from touring to come here and uh, <laughs> berate you for some money, right? <laughs> Fred asks, yeah, why? And Phil tells him they found Meatloaf's car near here, along with his empty wallet. Fred asks what happened, and Phil tells him it looks like a hell of a struggle. There's blood everywhere. Irma hears that asking, wait, blood? Is he dead? Phil doesn't know. It says that there's no body. But the only other thing that we know is that he didn't make it home last night. From what we saw in the car, if he's walking around, oh boy, that's a miracle. Irma's just staring at Phil in disbelief, so he tells her to watch the steak because Phil likes that shit rare. The door opens up and in walks a couple of gals, and one immediately says, Hey, whatever you got cooking over on that grill smells incredible. Throw one on for me. I'll have what he's having. The, the other lady has, yeah, one for me too. <laughs> Can you imagine walking into a restaurant and being like, Damn, that shit smells dope. Put one on for me. Yeah. One of those, please. Fred walks over to set the table for them and then looks over at Gaston, who's wiping the sweat from his face with a particular cloth, Brandon. Hmm. Interesting. Fred doesn't like what he's seeing, so he walks over to Gaston asking for a private word. The two walk to the back part of the restaurant and Fred's all, hey, that handkerchief is meatloaf's. Where'd you get that? <laughs> so he took he took took that from meatloaf, let's say. Yes. I know he's like homeless and stuff, but... He took Meatloaf's sweat rag, yes. <laughs> do, you, do you really need to use someone else's sweaty rag to wipe their juices all over your face? Yeah. It's, <laughs> look, people would probably pay a lot of money to have Meatloaf sweat, okay? Sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> and he's got it at the rig, you know? You just pull it out. Oh, he's got Meatloaf sweat on tap. <laughs> Gaston says Meatloaf gave it to him, but Fred calls out that lie. Gaston gets all wide-eyed, saying, I can't believe you. I do you a favor, and you call me a liar. Over with Irma, she plates up Phil's steak, and then watches as he cuts into it and takes a bite. Phil thinks this steak is heavenly. Irma then talks to him about how she can't believe what he told them about Meatloaf. Phil shakes his head, saying that he thinks this city is turning into a goddamn sewer. Shit makes early retirement look better and better. Man, if only I could find something else to do with myself. And then he's like... Man, that steak is good. The front door opens up, and new customers immediately demand that Irma throw more steaks on the griddle. So Irma calls for Gaston, asking if they've got all that steak in the back and if we can bring it up. Over with Gaston, he calls back, Uh, yeah, I got more in the freezer. I'm coming to get it right now. Irma commands him to bring more out front. So Gaston's all, okay, sure. Fred apologizes to Gaston, and Gaston's all, oh, so cool, baby. Back at the front of the restaurant, more and more people are coming in because they smell that sweet meat hitting the fire. And Irma wants more steak. Imagine walking into a restaurant. Like, it's daytime okay. now. You don't need the the neon sign to light up to see what it's called. You can be like, oh, so it's the Squid Shack, huh? Let's go in mm -hmm. and ask for a steak right away. <laughs> Look, Brandon, I don't know if you've ever been outside of a restaurant, but when you got that meat hitting that griddle and it's sizzling, I'm probably going to say sizzling a lot in this episode here, you smell those sweet meat juices being evaporated and wafting into your nose, and you say, I need that steak. At 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, everyone wants those early morning steaks. I don't know if I've ever had steak for breakfast. No, it's too much. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And I love steak. Dude, right? Steak's the best. But I don't know if I could eat it for breakfast. No. Maybe I'm wrong. 
No. No, I think everyone else is wrong. <laughs> All the other people. Gaston opens up the freezer and asks Fred if he can hold it open for him. He steps inside. He grabs a cleaver. And we see there's a naked meatloaf on a meat hook in here, Brandon. Oh, my God. He is so naked. <laughs> this is a very naked meatloaf. Yeah, I didn't know I needed it in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a shock. Yeah, he's all just like, hey, buddy, can you just keep this door open as I fucking look at naked meatloaf? <laughs> Fred gasps as Gaston turns meatloaf around to show his butt cheeks. <laughs> Get a load of these. <laughs> look at these cakes. As a big old hole is in his side, he chops that cleaver into meatloaf and pulls out a rump roast, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fred here, he gags a little, saying, oh my god, you killed Meatloaf. (laughs) (laughs) You finally did it. Gaston tells him, oh lord, Fred, you make it sound so ugly. Fred can't believe what he's seeing, saying, you killed Mr. Chumley, which is what they call Meatloaf. What they call Meatloaf. (laughs) Hold on, I have my notes. Which is what they call Meatloaf in this episode, but we're just going to call him Meatloaf, because it's way more fun. Yeah. Um, So, like, the, the effects in this part are quite good. Like, this looks like a a hanging corpse of a man, and when he chops into it, it's like, yeah, he's pulling out a piece of meat. Yeah, and Meatloaf has been in the freezer for a while, so there's, like, you know, no blood starts pooling or anything. It's just, like, a nice cut into a man's side. It looks great. it's just a nice frosty Meatloaf. Gaston starts cutting up them freshly sourced steaks nonchalantly, telling Fred to keep that door open. Irma calls out again for some more steaks, and Gaston's all, yeah, it's coming up. So, Fred, don't get all upset about it. It's it's doggy dog world out there, and we're all just kind of different flavors of Alpo. Now, don't keep that door open too long, or Meatloaf will spoil. (laughs) Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your favorite little chef. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether this is your first episode or you've listened to everything that we have. We are so thankful for you spending some time with us. You can help support our podcast by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash private island. We post plenty of new content for you multiple times a week, so there is always something there to enjoy. From early release episodes to bloopers to bonus episodes and more. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Beths, Venice Witch, Tristan, Redemption, Lyle, Eddie, Ray, Red, Magical, Faith, and Shane. The Goths, Stephen, Matt, Aaron, Brittany, Sid, and Corey, the citizens of Carlsville, Sarah, Mr. Normal, Matt, Keith, Christy, Angela, and Meredith, and your boys and girls, Kathy Fair and Bryce and Brian. Thank you for your support, everybody. Brandon and I truly appreciate it. We hope you follow us on social media for all the latest posts. You can find us on Twitter or X at UANPod, on Instagram and threads at Up All Night Podcast, on YouTube at Up All Night HA Podcast, and on TikTok at Private Island Presents. Stop by and say hi while I play some games live on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash privateislandc. I go live every few nights there, and it's always wonderful to talk to you. Everything is horror anthology themed, so I've got plenty of sound bites and videos for you to enjoy. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for their work on the music for our show, aside from this theme dating start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. Thanks so much for listening in. For now, I'm going to let you get back to the episode, and I'll talk with you next week. Bye, everybody. Gaston comes on out with those steaks and hands it to Irma, who starts sizzling them on the griddle. 
Fred walks out and looks out at all of these people taking bites of meatloaf booty with smiles on their faces. Irma cuts into the one on the griddle and she starts eating it and nodding her head saying, Whoa, I don't know what this recipe is, but it's brilliant. What is the recipe? Like, he keeps referring to, like, this I know. secret recipe. But, like, when it comes to steaks, it's, like, what you do with it on the grill, right? Like, it's not like he prepared this secret recipe and froze it. I agree with you, but he did mention that, like, it's a secret family recipe. Maybe it's, like, some sort of... I don't know. The only thing I can think is salt, but... Uh, the secret Whoa. recipe, Brandon, is, is people. <laughs> the secret it's is salt. Maybe it's Salt like makes everything better. meatloaf fed meatloaf. <laughs> I'm sure meatloaf has eaten a meatloaf in his life. Well, there you go. She goes and collects some money from a dude, and that cuts us to later that night where Fred is counting the money, saying, Damn, we must have made like 1500 bucks tonight. Money! Irma smiles, saying, Dope. But what's wrong, honey? Fred shrugs, saying, Well, I mean... Then Gaston pops up out of nowhere Gaston. asking, What? You guys don't like making money? Irma calls Gaston a genius and wonders how a guy like him ever ended up on the streets. A genius? Can you imagine serving food people want to eat at a restaurant? <laughs> like, it was really hard for Fred and Irma. They thought squid was the answer. It's not. No, they didn't. Fred did. Yeah, Fred kind of took over that one. All they had to do to make this restaurant a success at all. Like, sure, the people are like, mmm, this human tastes good or whatever, but, like, they would have been like that with actual steak as well. That's true. I mean, they didn't know There's it was There's nothing human magical about in. meatloaf. So like, sorry, Mr. Meatloaf, but they just didn't want squid. There are plenty of things magical about okay. meatloaf, Brandon. Right. How Concede. dare you? Concede. Alright, alright. Gaston's all, uh, you know how it is, you know, because she asked how did you get out on the streets. He's all like, nah, you get into some bad luck, bada bing, bada boom, you're homeless. <laughs> Irma's all, well, I'm going to go get some steaks out of the freezer now. But Fred rushes over saying, no, 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 I'll do it. Uh, why don't you go put, like, the chairs on the table or something? How long does he think he can keep this up? So there's like only one meatloaf. It's episode. Like, it's just going to keep her out of there forever. They, I mean, spoilers, Brandon. We never see Irma in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Fred walks to the back room counting his money and stops at the freezer. He opens that shit up, and we take a look at Meatloaf, whose meat is all collected. Like, an entire leg is gone, and he's pretty much just a chiseled-up skeleton yeah. with his head and luscious hair. It looks amazing, though. It does, doesn't it? As a, as a prop, it looks incredible. It's like... It's like the, he's basically skeletal, but it's all like still red and meaty a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's like in a cartoon, like he went into piranha infested waters. Yeah, that looks great. It, like they collected as much good. meat as they could. They didn't get his cheeks, but like, you know, that that's OK. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in one day, they served up one meatloaf <laughs> full of <laughs> meat. Like that's a lot of meat. Yeah. And they only made fifteen hundred dollars. Meatloaf is not a small man. No. He's not. We saw him. We saw him in all of his naked glory. <laughs> we saw all of meatloaf. We saw every inch of meatloaf. <laughs> we know how much meat was there. Yeah. <laughs> Gaston pops up and he says, you and me got to have a talk to Fred. Fred agrees saying that this shit's got to stop. In fact, I'm calling the cops. Gaston asks, oh, and when are you going to tell him, Fred, huh? That I killed your landlord because you owed him money? There's not a whole lot of motive in that. And besides, you're the one that attacked him with a knife last night. There were so many witnesses, too. All those dudes that are homeless that I was talking with on the streets. Hmm? We see Fred pull out a knife from Meatloaf's neck, and he starts to wipe it off as Gaston says, You know, I wasn't even the one that cooked him. Your wife did that. 
So you're going to keep your mouth shut, ain't oh you, partner? goodness. I thought this guy who, like, killed people and served their meat was a mm-hmm. good guy, but it turns out he's kind of a schemer. Yeah, he's got a little something-something <laughs> going on, Brandon. You would have thought he was just a, a nice man, but no. He's, he's got other ulterior he's actually motives. actually got a dark side. Gaston walks out of the freezer as Fred calls out, partner. Gaston wants a 50-50 split, since that sounds pretty fair. Gaston's the one that supplies the meat, after all. We hear a door creak, and Irma calls out that she has a little surprise. So Fred slams that freezer door shut. Irma walks in with a bottle of wine or something, saying that she's been saving it for the day that they had something to celebrate, and she'd almost given up the idea. She declares that she wants to put this on ice, and goes to open up the freezer, but Fred's all, No! And then he (laughs) smooches her hand, saying that he is just so tired, and why don't they go out to celebrate? Irma asks what's wrong with him, and Gaston suggests maybe he had a vision. Because they talked about, you know, having a vision earlier. Super funny. Some time passes, and we see the outside of the restaurant that is now called Gaston, Fred, and Irma's Steakhouse. Dang. Not only 50%, but he even got first name on the sign. He did, yeah. It's a good deal for murdering people. (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) There's just a crowd of people outside here, and we hop inside where it is a full house. But not the full house with, like, Not the good kind, yeah. Etc. Yeah. Irma's walking over, handing out menus and checking on people and all that. People are just snacking on that steak and having a glorious time. Irma and Fred are in full on chef coat now. Uh, so I guess they've made some improvements here. Yeah, this is like a one star restaurant now. Can you imagine, Brandon? Whew. Fred here is now manning the griddle, and Irma tells him Dick Schwartzberg just ordered seconds. Oh, He's shit. the restaurant critic for the Daily Bugle. Do you know what that means? It means we're a hit. He loves us. That means Spider-Man's on the case. I, I know, that's what I thought, too. <laughs> Should have gone more with the Superman uh, angle, but whatever. Yeah, Superman did work for, like, a newspaper company as Clark Kent, didn't he? Yeah. That would have been the perfect joke. Yeah. Those fools. If only we had a time machine and we could tell them, Brandon, their If the only we could turn ways. back time like Cher wanted us to. If only. <laughs> Fred's kind of absentmindedly flipping some steaks, and he's all, oh, really? And Irma declares that this is his dream come true, exactly the way he wanted it. <laughs> exactly? Yeah, he wanted to get rid of meatloaf in the medium. Yes, including the, the serving meatloaf part. That was all part of the plan, huh? All the murder, yeah. <laughs> Gaston waltzes up, saying that they're all going to be filthy rich. Fred slaps another steak on the grill, saying, yeah, I guess we are. And then he puts a fork in a tiny little piece of human steak and thinks about eating it for a while until he finally pops it into his mouth and chews it up saying, hmm, you know, that's not bad. Actually, it's damn good. Bites it like Squidward eating the Krabby Patty. Oh, yes, he does. It's so perfect. He's all like, yes, yes, we are going to be rich. Like the way he says that is pretty good. Yeah, I liked that delivery. Like he had never, never thought about it until then. Like, huh. I guess this is all going to work out, but, like, this isn't, like, the next day. This is obviously a while later, because the whole restaurant has been, like, renovated. It's all different decorations. They've got different employees. It's a different layout. Yeah. Like, it's been a while. They've been doing this for a while. It is. And it, it makes no sense to me in a way, because, like, one meatloaf fed everybody for one day. So, like, how many people have they killed so far? Yeah, and, like, they they were successful that first day, but now they're packed. So now that freezer's yeah. got to have, like, three or four people in it a day. 
And Irma's not gone in there once? Not a single time. That's not really her responsibility, okay? She doesn't go in the she freezer. She stays on the line and just cooks. She cooks, she cleans, she does it all except go in the freezer. <laughs> we see some patrons eating up that human meat, having just a grand old time. Some old lady, a dude with a mullet. There's just food all over the place. They have more than steak, though. They show, like, potatoes and stuff, too. So they have, like, a, a full menu. Okay. So, like, ditch the human meat, keep all the non-squid food, yeah, and get some cow in there. See how that goes. They could. But no, nobody would like it. In walks Phil, who says, man, I come here so much, my wife wants to know why I don't eat at home anymore. I told her, honey, if you make a steak like these guys, I'd never leave home. Then he tells Fred that they got a break on his landlord. Seems there was this metal in his blood sample they took from the car. Very unusual alloy. It came from a brand of knife that they don't make anymore. They're checking the company record to see who they sold it to. They'll probably identify the killer any day now. All right. Fred just stares Portland. at him and then Gaston, who walks past. Yeah. I'm not a scientist. Go for it. Tell me everything. <laughs> if you stab somebody with a knife. Mm-hmm. Does that leave alloy traces in the blood? Um, you know, there may be, like, little metal shavings that come off of the knife. So, like, it's plausible, I suppose. Really? Wow. I thought stabbing people was the perfect crime. <laughs> Just in and out. Yeah, no. Um, I've seen, like, true crime stuff where, like, they can identify the knife that stabbed them based off of what kind of metal shavings I think are in it. Usually it's because it's in the home already, you know? Sure. But this does leave a point here. So remember at the beginning when he was like, oh, don't cut me with that cleaver. It's rare and there's they don't make them anymore. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, okay. The knife that he used to stab Meatloaf wasn't the cleaver, though. So unless they got like a set from the same company, like, you know, it doesn't make much sense. Yeah. They probably wouldn't get the alloy from that knife that stabbed him in the hand. No, they probably get it from whatever Gaston used to murder him because they said it was really bloody and like... Yeah, Gaston went to town on him. Unless Gaston used a knife from the restaurant? I don't know, but I don't feel like he'd have access to get it. It's kind of a lot. What are we doing here? We're like detectives, Brandon. What is this? Hey, this is a true crime podcast now. <laughs> We cut to that night where Irma is counting up the register saying that they made $7,757 today. Shoot, they better think about expanding even though they've already expanded. Yes, but they need to expand more. They need more dead bodies. She's got to go tell Fred. And she passes by Gaston who's cleaning up the griddle. The music gets a little sinister here as we see Gaston go to Irma's purse and pull out that gun. You remember that gun? I remember the gun. Shit. Yeah, he puts it in his pocket. It did come back. Mm-hmm. It sure did. Over with Fred, Irma walks up saying that they made almost $8,000, which is their best day yet. Fred doesn't really seem happy, so Irma asks what's eating him. And Fred tells her, oh my god, don't say that. <laughs> Irma doesn't understand what's going on because she doesn't know that people are eating people here. <laughs> so she tells him, all right, well, I'm going to go home. Fred takes a good look at his cleaver that's all bloody and gross, and he washes that off in the sink. From behind him walks Gaston, who says, dude, you're overreacting. Fred's all, no, I ain't. You heard what they said. They'll be on to us any time now. Gaston suggests that maybe they should put Phil on the menu, but Fred yells that Phil's a cop for goodness sakes. Gaston's had enough of this doubt and suggests that Fred just go home and Gaston will finish cleaning up. Fred tells him, no, I'm going to clean up. I got to think. Gaston walks away and Fred wonders aloud if there's a way out of this as he holds on to that cleaver. Hmm. 
We circle fade over to Irma, walk into her home. It's all dark in there, and she goes to close the door, but Gaston stops her, saying that he didn't mean to frighten her, but they need to have a little chit-chat. Irma asks why, and Gaston says it's because he's worried about Fred. Irma is also worried about Fred and doesn't know what's wrong with him, so Gaston tells her that he knows what's going on here. Fred's feeling guilty. Well, I don't know how to tell you this, but it's Fred. He's been killing people. <laughs> he says it just like that. Like, not much of a build-up, and he's like, Well, Irma, you know, he's been killing people. Irma's all, say what? <laughs> Fred goes on, saying that his secret recipe thing is all Fred's idea. Irma asks, so you're telling me what we've been cooking is... But Gaston interrupts with his own question. What do you think he's been doing every night that he stays at the restaurant late, huh? I saw him the first time when he murdered the beloved meatloaf. Oh, I promised to keep it a secret, but I'm getting scared. He knows the cops are onto him, and he told me tonight he's going to kill himself, and he took your gun. Irma can't believe this shit and races over to her purse, where there is not even a single gun. Shit. Gaston tells her that he's going to go back to the restaurant to stop him, and that Irma should call Phil and get him down right away. Irma here is freaking out, and Gaston tries to calm her down with a quick smooch on the cheek, saying that it's going to be okay. Irma here doesn't seem to really like that, though. And then we fade to the restaurant. Man, Gaston is a real trickster. He sure is. He's smooching people and everything. It's ridiculous. Gaston calls out for Fred, and Fred's all, yeah, I'm back here, buddy. So we first-person camera walk a little bit to the back part of the restaurant, and Gaston looks around a little, and then Fred attempts to hit him with a frying pan from behind. But Gaston's too quick! They tussle a little and make their way to the front of the restaurant. Gaston gets the upper hand and punches Fred, whose hand gets sizzled on the hot griddle. <sighs> I, I wonder why is that griddle on, though, Brandon? Because <laughs> he's cleaning it. Oh, it's fully cleaned already. <laughs> <laughs> Gaston pulls out the gun and puts it right into Fred's mouth, saying, as usual, you're going to do things my way. And I say you're going to blow your fucking brains out. Suddenly, the door opens up and Gaston looks over and then pulls Fred up and points the gun at him. He says, murder-suicide plays much better. Oh, the distraught couple. The cops are closing in. We were arguing, officer, when I got here. It was horrible. We see Irma pick up the cleaver, so Gaston tries to shoot her, but the gun just clicks. So he tries again, and then is quickly apprehended by Fred. So Gaston's being grappled by Fred, and Irma holds up that cleaver, saying, You said Fred was going to kill himself using my gun. Fred knows that I never put any bullets in my gun. And Fred adds in, nope, I wouldn't let her. Thanks for the heads up call, honey. You got here just when you said he would. Now, what are we going to do with him? Irma touches Gaston's face saying, I don't know. He's got such a big mouth. I say he dies. And she lifts up that cleaver for a chop. But the door opens up again. Gaston calls out, officer, officer. And we see it's <laughs> Phil. And he's moseying on in. Gaston's all, oh, thank God you made it. Here are the killers. They killed Meatloaf and who knows who else. Phil here casually takes a seat at the bar saying, Now, now, what to do, what to do? Gaston asks, well, what do you mean? Arrest him. Phil tells him, yeah, I could do that, but you see... I've developed this taste. And this would solve my early retirement problem. Something to do with myself. Farley's flame broiled. Sound okay to you guys? Because, like, his last name's Farley. Mm -hmm. Fred thinks that sounds pretty good. And Irma thinks that shit sounds... Downright mouth-watering, Fred. <laughs> Phil looks at them saying, then fire it up, I'm starving. Fred tells them it's already hot. And then Fred and Irma slowly push Gaston's face into the sizzling hot griddle Fuck. as he screams. 
We pop outside the restaurant where the camera pans back, and we see that Gaston's name flickers out of the restaurant sign. And that's kind of it, Brandon. This is the tale. Oh, wow. I gotta say, when people are, like, scheming and shit, I love when things go wrong for them. (laughs) You mean, like, when they're scheming in a bad way? No. (laughs) Just any any scheming. Any scheming at all. When it doesn't work out, you're like, yes. (laughs) Yes. Like... When I was watching Game of Thrones, anyone who was scheming was like, well, I hope they die. <laughs> well, there's like a 90% chance. And that, they will. that's pretty much everyone. You don't really have much job security when you're working on uh, when you're working on Game of Thrones. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's finish this up here. Back with the Crypt Keeper. He says he supposes it's a little too late for Gaston to save face. Talk about a flesh in the pan. And he giggles. God, this guy. He guesses that's what happens when you butcher money where your mouth is. As for me, kitties, I say it's time for the taps. And we see him flip a tap that's connected to a human's head, and it starts leaking out some liquid. Then Crypty says, hmm, till next time, restaurateur in peace. And he laughs us out of the episode, and, you know, that's the end of the episode. The end. That's it for what's eaten. What's cooking? Whatever it's called. (laughs) Brandon, what what were your final thoughts on what's cooking? (sighs) What what, what, what do you want to talk about here? Okay, I think it would have been better if Judd Nelson had a mullet. That's my first one. Yeah. Me too. Um, there wasn't as much meatloaf as I was hoping. You told me meatloaf was in this episode, and I was like, all right, here we go. Meat life. Meatloaf. <laughs> See, I want to live the meat life. Um, I know. Who doesn't? Meatloaf. A starring role. He's going to be in every scene. This is going to be the meatloaf story. And uh, he really got, like, one scene. I'm a meatloaf, and uh, where's my rent? He was kind of doing like a Southern Gentleman kind of... A bit, right? Yeah, he's, I say, I say, where's my money? Um, as I dab my sweat, yeah. As a Southern Gentleman would, right? Yeah, I mean, that's very Southern Gentleman. But it's just a good episode. And I liked, at the end, I, and I saw it coming, but the the cop being like, well, I will just love eating people's now, so yeah. ain't nothing going to stop me. I thought it was a very tight story. You know, they had the, the things at the beginning that they brought up again, you know, the gun, and then Phil being like, oh, I wish I could retire. Like, like it comes full circle at the end, and uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was very well written. I thought it was well acted, and it's very entertaining, I thought. It was a, good, it was a really good cannibal story, yeah. which, like, I feel like it's, like, this is an obvious episode for Tales from the Crypt, but, you know, they did it and it, it, it worked well. It's not a remarkably original plot, but it's just done very well. Yeah, I liked it. Let's see. Did you learn anything from what's cooking, Brandon? I feel like I learned a lot from what's cooking. What's cooking? Sorry. That's okay. Uh, I learned that opening a squid restaurant is not the path to success. No. I was thinking about opening one, and then I I saw this episode, and I was like, maybe not. See, Brandon, you're in a prime location here, though, Australia. You know, they have that whole jack-in-the-box versus Burger King thing going on. Like, you could just open a restaurant and call it whatever you want in Australia, and you you steal ideas and everything. Squid King. There you go. I, I love, I have to say, I love that Australia tried to, like... Well, that wasn't them, but it was Burger King. They tried to open up Burger King, and it failed <laughs> in Australia because they already had Jack in the Box. Anyway, I learned, Brandon, that uh, your steak's only as good as the recipe, you know? Yeah, you got to go online. You got to find an article. You got to skip to the very end of the page because it's going to be the oh, person's life story. Like, my, my grandma in, in Florence in 1909, she decided to put salt on a steak. 
Scroll, scroll, scroll. Skip that shit. <laughs> Got to get to the recipe. Anyway, recipe. That's... One steak, some salt. <laughs> Maybe some onion powder and garlic powder oh, on it, perhaps? Oh, shit. Now you're getting fancy, Grandma. I learned that it's not hard to be a drifter, Brandon. You just got to fall into some bad luck, oh, and then you can be as cool easy. as Gaston. You can, like, that's something you can just do anytime. It's true. Like, if you I wanted just to up just and be decide. a drifter, I could just, like, put my shoes on and go. You could leave your family right now. I could. I could be drifting by, by tomorrow. <laughs> not tonight, though, Brandon. It's late. Okay, no, I'm you sleepy. Need to rest. <laughs> I'm sleepy, but, but tomorrow I start drifting. <laughs> Do you think there's any better names than what's cooking for this episode? <sighs> meatloaf. Meatloaf. What's eating meatloaf? Who's eating meatloaf? Meatloaf. It's what's for dinner. <laughs> That's all I got, Brandon. I don't want... <laughs> I want to meet these people. I just want to get onto the meat, the meat and loaf of this episode here. Let's meet the people. No one's schemes like Gaston. So, Brandon, let's meet this cast here. We got Christopher Reeve first. He I plays Fred. Never heard The of late him. Christopher Reeve. I didn't realize that he had passed away, and it was quite a while ago, 2004. Yeah, he's been gone for a while, Cortland. And I just gotta say, I'm looking at Christopher Reeve on IMDb. He, he was a handsome young man. He was. Yeah. I think he's probably best known for playing Superman. Um, oh. And all the Supermanses. 78, he played Superman, Superman 2 in, in 80, etc. He started things off in 1974 with great performances. That's the, the the name of the thing? That's what it was called, yeah. Wow. It's a lot to live up to, your first role. He's also in like Superman 3 and then Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Isn't one of those like a really bad movie? Is The Quest for Peace that's really bad? Well, The Quest for Peace has 3.7 on IMDb. Now, I know we've established in this very podcast that IMDb is uh, subjective. But I'm going to say that that's probably not a very good movie. I'm going to agree with you, Brandon. I think I've heard like internet jokes and stuff about it. Um, he's also been in some things here. One of them is called Black Fox from 1995. And then there's also Black Fox, The Price of Freedom and Black Fox, Good Men and Bad. He was in a movie called Bump in the Night, but it's not the bump in the night I was hoping it was. Right. The claymation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm, I remember that. The last thing he was in was Smallville. So I like that he was in Smallville because that's the, you know, TV show about young Superman kind of thing. I've never seen it, but. Glad he was in it. And then, yeah, he passed away in 2004. So rest in peace, Christopher Reeve. Uh, I thought you were fantastic in this episode. I didn't see Superman out of you, but that's okay. Next up, we have Irma, played by Bess Armstrong, Brandon. There was only 14 episodes of Bump in the Night? Yeah, I don't think it was on for very long. God, I remember watching that for so long. I must have just been watching the same episodes over and over again. You sure did, yeah. Okay. It reminds me of... Look, look, shows that only last one season, the one that immediately comes to my mind is My Brother and Me, because that should have had more than one season. I don't know why it didn't. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that this one didn't, because the characters are all hideous. They sure are. Plus, Claymation takes forever to make. It really does. Okay. Where were you? So, Bess Armstrong. Sorry, Bess. (laughs) My apologies, Bess. We'll come back to you here. She started things off in 1977 with On Our Own, a TV series she was in for 22 episodes. She was also on The Love Boat sweepstakes everyone barefoot in the park i know right uh lays all is forgiven i don't know what any of these are she was in batman the animated series she played the voice of cleo oh cool she was in my so-called life for 19 episodes 
that darn cat. Oh my gosh, you remember that movie? I love that movie. Yeah. She was in The Nanny with Fran Drescher. Lucky. She played somebody related to them because she played Sarah Sheffield. So she was only two episodes, though. I don't know. More recently, she was in NCIS, House of Lies, uh, that TV series Zoo. Do you remember anything about that? Nope. I think it was like zombie animals or something. Uh, most recently, she was in I Love That For You from 2022. Next. <laughs> oh, oh, your silence says everything. <laughs> yes. Next, let's talk about Phil, played by the late Art Lafleur, who passed away in 2021. I immediately recognized Art. He's got that face, you know? You just oh, kind of recognize this him. this is one of those, that guys. Yeah, I recognized him from the Santa Claus 2, where he played the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> wow. Because I just watched that movie not that long ago. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. But I was like, really? That's your, that's your association with this man? Yeah. Well, he started it off 1978 with Rescue from Gilligan's Island, which was a TV movie. I think it was like the finale for Gilligan's Island. I don't know. He was in Jekyll and Hyde together again in 1982. The Invisible Woman, War Games. I think I've heard of that before. The A-Team, Zone Troopers. What else have you been in here, buddy? The Blob. Have you ever seen the Blob the remake, remake from 1988? No, yeah. but I heard that that's good. It's got some really good effects to it. Lots of like liquefaction of people, which is awesome. That sounds cool. I just watched it for the first time not too long ago. Um, He was in The Sandlot. He was a first kid. Do you remember that? Of course I remember first kid. Kidding me. Who doesn't? I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to assault <laughs> you. He was in Boy Meets World. Yeah. He was in an episode of Malcolm in the Middle, but I don't remember him in it. He was in House for an episode. He's been in a lot of things, like tons and tons of stuff. He was in something called Dahmer versus Gacy from 2010. Wow. That sounds stupid. Most recently, he was in 2017's Dive. Yeah, he's passed away. I know. That's sad. Like, is there anyone from this episode alive? Yeah, um, Irma was alive. Okay, well, good. Also, also, the next character, Judd Nelson, he's alive. Oh, phew. So Judd Nelson plays Gaston, or as he should have been called, Gaston. But Gaston. But fine. Uh, Judd here, he started things back in 1983 with Rock and Roll Hotel. But I think he's probably most known for being in The Breakfast Club, where he played John Bender. Yeah. Of course. He was also in St. Elmo's Fire, which I hear a lot, but I've never seen it before. He played in the Transformers, the movie from 1986, which I'm pretty sure made people cry. Uh, really? Who he was he in Hot that? Rod. Hot Rod. Interesting. Yeah. He was Hot Rod, a.k.a., I guess, Rodimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> sure. He did reprise that role, too, Brandon. He reprised that role uh, sometime later in Transformers Power of the Primes in 2018. Really? As Rodimus, Rodimus Unicronus, or Hot Rod. <laughs> so, like, 30 years later, they like, we gotta get Judd back. Like, the, the fans yeah. won't accept anyone else. No, and I love it when they do that. You know, they should do that. Uh, he was been in Family Guy, in Phineas and Ferb, so many things. Nothing I really recognize, though. Most recently, he was in 2023's Dante's Hotel. Yeah, so he's he's working. He is. I like Judd. He looks like he's nice. <laughs> he actually doesn't, but <laughs> he looks like an asshole. <laughs> he does, but he's probably all right. Last up, Brandon, we got to talk about Meatloaf. Okay, the late Meatloaf. He passed away in 2022. And as far as acting roles go, he's actually been in quite a lot of things. Yeah. Most of them are probably Meatloaf music videos, but um, he started off 1962 with State Fair. That's old. Yeah. Like, when did he start making music? 
according to IMDb, 1977. He okay. was in Meatloaf Paradise by the Dashboard Light. So he's an he's a actor turned musician. I guess. I didn't know this, but he was in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Never I've never seen, seen that. that, which is why I didn't know it. Yeah. So many Meatloaf music videos, man. What what's your favorite Meatloaf song? Um Is it the one where he'll do anything but he won't do that? No, it's the one where those bats are out of hell. Oh, okay. He's also been in To Catch a Yeti, Brandon. I got, I feel like I need to watch that. That sounds interesting. He was in Cher, the video collection. Really? Our Meatloaf is with Cher? Yeah. I think what Meatloaf is most famous for is playing Dennis in Spice World. The Spice Girls I've never movie. seen Spice World. He drives the bus. I would have uh, imagined that his most famous role is playing in The Ballad of Lucy Whipple, but, you know, Spice World pretty much stops it. Most recently, I, I, I suppose, he was in 2018's Ghost Wars, uh, which is a TV series. He was in seven episodes of that. He was also in Elementary, though, so he was with um, Lucy Liu. I mean, that'd be awesome to work with Lucy Liu. Yeah, is Lucy Liu in any episodes of Tales from the Crypt, even though she would have been like, I don't know, 18? I hope she is. I'm Look, I want to see more Lucy Liu, okay? <laughs> wow. Hot take, Cortland. I like Lucy Liu. She's great. Okay. Are you ready to see what's next week, Brandon? We're done with uh, What's Cooking. We got the next episode coming up here. All right, what's cooking after what's cooking? The next episode of Tales from the Crypt is called The New Arrival. Okay. Is this one Aliens? I don't know. Um, the, the little description here is pretty short. It just says, an abnormally difficult child tests a psychologist. I wonder what it's testing. Like in math, maybe? Difficult. Yeah. Okay. So I wonder if it's one of those stories where the kid has like, you know, telekinesis or whatever. And then he sends people to the cornfield? Yeah, probably. Cool. There's a couple of people in this episode, though, Brandon. Uh, the one that I recognize immediately, though, is Zelda Rubenstein. She's in this episode. Oh, Zelda's in this one. Yeah, she's going to be like, your house is done now, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She has a very unique voice. Okay? Yeah, you did a great impression. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of times I just sit and I practice my Zelda Rubenstein. So it shows. Um, there's also David Warner. Great actor. Joan Severance. Do you know who she is? No. How about Twiggy? Her name is just Twiggy. She's a model. <laughs> okay. All right. Robert Patrick. Oh, we got oh, Robert hell Patrick, yeah. Brandon. Okay. All right. Okay. I know that one. <laughs> now we're talking. I mean, you got the iconic duo Zelda Rubenstein and <laughs> Robert Patrick. Finally. Together. It's going to be great. A little Twiggy in there. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's I mean, an, an eclectic cast. It's got a 7.7 .7 on IMDb, so you know, right. it's so either going to be yeah. awesome or A little bit shit. shittier <laughs> than what's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's next week, Brandon. We'll, we'll, we'll save it for next week. Okay. I got to say, I think I'm done here, Brandon. I've been up all night. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to go back idea. to bed. That's a good idea. I know. I'm full of them. All right, Brandon. I'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Shut up, Fred!